Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It is the end of 2021. We did put out our final episode for 2021, so we're moving into season five, and this is probably going to kick off our season five, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. How are we in season five? I don't know, man. How have we been doing this that long? I don't know, but we've watched people come, and we've watched them go, and uh, it makes me a little sad, though. You know what, though, that it actually shows how many interesting therapists there are all over the world because we are going into five seasons and we still have so many interesting people to meet, including our guests today. So, hey, everyone, it's Amanda and we have Mandy on Zoom with us, a British woman living in Miami. She's a licensed massage therapist and now published author. Um, When Mandy sent us an email, um, it was probably almost two months ago now. I had to get her on an episode. So I'm just going to read the line from the email that I was like, I just turned to Mark and I said, let's get this person on. Uh, She wrote a massage memoir of her life all over the world, massaging rock stars, cancer patients, military men and women, and everyone in between over the last 25 years and four continents. And she's written a really funny book, but apparently it's really sad too, but written with her British sense of humor. That just that those couple of lines from the email, Mandy, I was like, we need to talk to this person immediately. <laughs> Can you do me a favor though? I know this is going to sound so stupid. Can you just yell albatross as in your best John Cleese? Possibly <laughs> <laughs> can. I know, I'm just an idiot. She's like, yeah, you're like, no, not <laughs> doing that. She's <laughs> like, why do people always ask me to do that? It's not that funny, Mark. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Can we start with this? We, got, we have to start with this. You have to choose between the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Who. Where are we going? Beatles. Okay, I can swing that. I, I should have been that. wearing my. I I very famously wear my going? Beatles t-shirt. Beatles, Rolling Stones, or who? The Ooh. who? Ooh, that's a hard one, eh? It is a hard one, but I would say depending on my mood, I feel like I very often you can take you can gravitate take, you can towards take, Rolling Stones. You can okay. I do. I listen to a lot of Rolling Stones in the car. Hmm. So I'm gonna have to say that. Yeah. Although I have my Beatles T-shirt that See? I I wear in so many of our episodes, I like always joke with Mark. Our guests mu- or our our listeners must think I have one shirt because there's so <laughs> many pictures of me sitting here recording in this same Beatles T-shirt. And it just happens to be what I put on that day when we recorded. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go the Who on this. I think I'm gonna go the Who. All right, so yeah. we have one of each. Perfect. Right <laughs> well, now we're gonna start right at the beginning with Mandy. So Mandy, uh, for everyone listening, can you give us a uh, history on you, how you got into this profession, a little bit about what your 25 years was like, and what inspired you to write a book? Well, um, how I got into this profession was lying on a, a beach in Thailand, actually. I was just lying there literally doing nothing. And this little Thai lady came up and she said, you want a massage? You want a massage? And I thought, no, I just want to sleep. But <laughs> she kept pestering me. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So I had a massage with her and it was the best thing I'd ever had in my entire life, my very first massage. And every day that I was there in Thailand on holiday, I had a massage. It was like $10, really not more than that. And it was so fantastic. I said, this is what I want to do with my life. And so it was an epiphany on the beach in Thailand. What were you doing? I mean, obviously you're in in Thailand on holiday. What were you doing for your career at that time? Actually, I was working in Japan. I was teaching English. I was doing um, a bit of TV extra work, a bit of modeling work, uh, working in a a karaoke bar at night. Yeah, I went on vacation because it was a few hours away in Thailand. It was cheap and cheerful. I had to renew my visa. 
And there it was. There was my epiphany. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. What makes you want to do that? And, I, 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 and I'm asking this not in, a, not in a weird way. And I don't want you to take this in a strange way. But if I had a massage like that, someone just came up to me and was like, did you want a massage? And it was really great. I don't think I'd be like, this is what I want to do for my career. And there's a couple of reasons why I would say that. One, you, you probably paid next to nothing for it. So I would think, why the fuck would I want to do this thing where I'm going to get paid next to nothing for <laughs> Right. That would be one thing. And two, just because like I had something that I enjoyed, I don't know if that make like I've had really good drinks made. I don't suddenly want to be a bartender. Do you know what I mean? I've had really good food at restaurants. It's like I suddenly don't feel like being a chef. Before Mandy answers so that, can I remind you that part of the reason that we own a continuing education company is That's because different. you would look at teachers and say, I could do that. Well, no. <laughs> I, I didn't think that I can do that. I thought I can do that better. Okay. Right. <laughs> and that's, that You're was right. it. It that wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh, I had such a great experience with this instructor. I want to do this. It was, no, I think I can do a better job than this. Gotcha. Right. So I'm curious, how does it go? Like getting a massage then saying like, this is what I want to do versus this is, I just want to receive these all the time. That's what I would be doing. Like, how do I get more of this versus how do I do it? I do receive them all the time and I did carry on receiving them all the time, but um, I'd always massaged my dad and, you know, boyfriends when I was a teenager and they said I was pretty good at it. And I thought, okay, well, this is what I want to do. I want to heal people. I want them to just feel as fantastic as I do right now on the beach. That's a very good reason. I think that's awesome too, that like your epiphany came when you were on vacation, hoping to renew your visa to continue working and teaching. And you're like, no, no, I yes. need to be massaging people. That's really cool. Yeah. I never in my life thought I wanted to do a massage because I did, I did well at school. I can speak a few languages and I thought I'd do something academic, like maybe be a translator or something and use my brain, not my hands. Um, but then, you know, the years go by and you study massage and you think, wait a minute, I am using my brain as well as my hands. But I never knew that when I was at, at high school. That's true. And we've talked about that a lot as well. Mm -hmm. People don't realize how, how intense massage school can be you know it seems like yeah what what is there really to this you're just rubbing people right but that's absolutely not right but that's for the general public that's what a lot of them probably think that we're doing right and and then that's why i wrote this because people say oh you just rub yeah do you have to go to school for this and i'm thinking why do people honestly think that we just we just rock up to the massage room and we just perform this massage. Of course we go to school. Of course we know <laughs> stuff. We know where the bones are. We know where the muscles are and we know the difference and people just don't get it. And um, I've been in the business 25 years and I've had so many conversations with friends, with husbands of friends and the stupid stuff that they say and the questions that they ask me. I, I thought no, people just need to know the, what massage really is. What we do, what we don't do. What's the, the stupidest question that I you've ever gotten? The yeah, question. the stupidest question somebody's ever asked you about massage. Well, as I'm massaging a guy, he said to me, "So, what do you do for a living?" <laughs> I, I said, what? "What? What do you mean? I mean, I'm massaging you. It's ten o'clock in the morning. I'm massaging you. What do you think I do for a living?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, you know this." couldn't possibly be lucrative and you couldn't possibly do this for full time. So, you know, I wonder what your real job is. Wow. I said, oh my God, this, this is my real job. I said, um, I start work at nine o'clock in the morning and sometimes I work until nine at night. I'm exhausted. Sometimes my clients call on a Sunday begging me, please, can you, can you fix my shoulders? I'm in agony. So I told him sometimes I work seven days a week. I said, 
God only makes 24 hours a day. I can't do anything else. So he was incredulous as to how I could possibly make money from doing massage, even though I was charging him and he was paying me. <laughs> this yeah. is my job. You know what my stupidest question was? I've already said it before on uh, a different episode, but I had a doctor come in to see me. So one of the clinic, <laughs> one of the clinics that I worked in Jeff a few years back. Enemy. Yeah, that was, <laughs> what. Well, yeah, one of the clinics I worked in a few years back was in a medical building. So there was a dental office in there. There was a couple of uh, general practitioners in there. Um, there was our massage clinic, there was an acupuncture clinic, a whole bunch of different clinics. A physio clinic was downstairs. So anyway, this doctor had just moved into the building. And so he wanted to get to know some of the other uh, professionals. So he booked a massage treatment with me. He comes in, one of the first things he says to me is like, so when you were in massage school, like, did you have to learn any anatomy? It's like, <gasps> nope, none, none. <laughs> what do you think Zero. I'm about to do here? <laughs> Yeah, you're a doctor and you're trusting this person who you don't even know if they've been to school. Yeah, that was this. I would have to say that was the stupidest question I've ever got from somebody who is supposed to be intelligent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, they've asked, uh, what do you do for a living? Um, do you have to go to school for this? You know, they think that we were born with these skills, that they come with the body at birth. Yeah, sure. We just we just know how to manipulate tissue. No big deal. Easy peasy. Yeah. Anyone can do it. <laughs> Yeah. And and then they've asked, um, do people fall asleep? And I say, yeah, yeah, of course, all the time people fall asleep. And as long as I don't, I figure that we're on the right track. Have you ever fallen asleep while giving a treatment? <laughs> well, there was this once I had a hangover and I shouldn't have been massaging, but I was. And I was so tired and I felt myself kind of head bob and I thought, oh, no. But no, in answer to your question, no, I absolutely have not fallen asleep giving a massage. <laughs> I think I have. Mark has. Yeah. I'm more than certain. I see. Well, I don't know if I have because so I'm I, I'm at the head of the table. I'm seated. I'm doing some head neck shoulder work. I've got my elbows kind of in my lap, right? And I'm doing some stuff to the posterior C spine, and I swear I just kind of nodded off and I stopped moving. But I don't know, and I can't stop and ask the person like, "Did I stop moving?" <laughs> right? So I have I'm having this weird moment of like. I think I, I think I fell asleep. I think I stopped, but now I need to make that feel like it was purposefully done. So now, occasionally, I'm just going to randomly stop in places <laughs> and hold <laughs> and hold this position because if I had done that, then I want them to think that. And then I started thinking, what the fuck? What if I didn't actually fall asleep and I didn't stop? Now I'm just randomly stopping all. It was just a really weird go. But I swear I fell asleep. I swear I. Fell you asleep. might have because you get really into the music too, and, right? And yeah. <laughs> Feel like I'm borderline. Well, there was there anyway. was one time I don't know if Mark remembers this, but he told me this story. He had come home from work one night, and he was uh, this at this point you were treating until eight eight thirty p.m. most nights. Okay, so he gets home from work at like nine thirty. He's exhausted, as you said. You know, the whole day treating people, he's exhausted, and he said during his last treatment that night, he sort of had his eyes closed. You know, it's a dim room. He wasn't sleeping, but he had his eyes closed while he was working on the person who was supine. And he, again, he was at the head of the table, and I guess he didn't notice his client had opened her eyes and looked back at him staring at so me. then he opens his eyes and he realizes this client's staring at him and she's like wow you have such a passion for your work and he's like i didn't have the heart to tell her i was just exhausted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got away with that one yeah you i want to know about the about the modeling and about the acting because you mentioned that tell me a little bit about that when you're in japan and you're blonde it's very easy. And uh, when I was in Japan, I was 19 years old. So I was young and cute and skinny and 
wore short skirts. And there were all these modeling agencies all over Tokyo. Mm. And um, my friends and I, we just all sent them our headshots and uh, they would call us when they needed, you know, 20 foreign looking people to do a New York scene. So we would all go and there'd be a scene in a nightclub or something and they'd all make us dance. And we got paid two or $300 a day for doing that. Um, Then we had, we had this gig where he wanted three blondes. So it was me and my two girlfriends from Liverpool, England, where the Beatles are from, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) And all three of us went to this posh supermarket and we had to wear these ridiculous American kind of flag outfits. And we had to cook American beef and have to give them on a little cocktail stick to the customers that came in and make them buy the beef. We got a stupid amount of money. I think we did four <laughs> days and we got $3,000 each for wow. doing that job. Not a bad gig, yeah. And uh, I mean, if you're blonde, they just they just love you. They really do. And they'll stop you on the street and want to touch your hair. And that was in the late 80s, early 90s. So it's not the same now. I mean, I think blondes are a dime a dozen, but we weren't in those days. Hmm. And it was pretty easy to do um, modeling and, uh, and be in TV movies. That's so fun. What inspired you to move from England and go teach in Japan and start working there and, you know, have a work visa there? A girlfriend of mine called Inji. So she's Japanese. And uh, we were at boarding school in England. And she lived there most, well, yes, most of the year, apart from Christmas and the summer holidays. And we became very good friends. And, uh, she said, you have to come to Japan one day. And I said, I will, I will. And when I was about 18, I just really wanted to travel the world. And a few countries, a long story short, I went to Japan to visit her. And I loved it. And I got a job. I lived with her for a couple of weeks, but then couldn't really stand it because she was living with her parents. So I was used to living by myself and having my independence. Mm. And uh, I moved out and I got a job. I got so many jobs. I was I got teaching English. I worked in a karaoke bar. I was waitressing, um, doing the TV stuff, a little bit of modeling. I did everything. So at the time when you're doing all this, are you finding all of these jobs? You're doing all this stuff just to stay? Like, In other words, are you, are you doing all this stuff to pay for your vacation? Because that's how yeah. I feel about everybody that I've ever met in Miami, right? I feel like everybody is there. They just go there on vacation from wherever they're from. They're like, I just really want to stay here. Let me go find a job. And that way I can just pay for this indefinite vacation. Well, that's what I did in Japan. And I honestly thought I was going to stay there for three months. See my friend that I'd known from high school. Um, and then move on, you know, maybe move to Thailand or just, just travel around the world doing whatever, just backpacking, working in a bar, anything. But I loved it so much and the money was really great. And so I stayed. I stayed seven years wow. and I just did all these different jobs. What is it about Japan? Convince me. I want to know. What about Japan was the, I'm going to stay seven years in? Uh, everything that you do every day is new. It's novel. Um the food is fantastic. The beer is fantastic. Um, the little cobbled streets, you're walking down these tiny streets and there are tiny little restaurants and people drinking their little beers and laughing until two o'clock in the morning, singing karaoke onto the streets. Um, the, you've got all the history there. You've got the temples, the shrines. TV is ridiculous. <laughs> and they've got these cute little anime. So, you know, the Pokemon, yeah. Yeah. all the things you would think of about Japanese anime and the the manga cartoon, the magazines, all of that stuff. It's just different. Every day is like, wow, what is that? What is that? There's some kind of cultural new 
thing to add every single day. It's never boring. I feel like the way she's describing it to me, I'm imagining living in Japan as being like going to like a big theme park and just discovering new things all the time. Yeah, it really is. And then, and then it's a challenge as well. So you learn to speak Japanese, you learn, you know, bits and bobs here and there. And when you can speak to a Japanese person and they know what you're talking about and you can have, you know, a halfway decent conversation, it's a real challenge and you feel that you've mastered it. And every day is different and and you're special over there. So you're blonde, you're English, um, you feel special and that's nice. Yeah, you're fascinating to them. You're blonde, you have this accent that's so different for them. Super cool. So how how soon after returning from Thailand where you had your epiphany, how soon did you start studying massage therapy? Um, Oh gosh, a few months. Yeah, it was a few months. Wasn't long at all. And I had to renew my visa because I only had a a tourist visa. So I wasn't really supposed to be working. And um, they had this new law whereby if you studied something cultural, anything, so you could study flower arranging, tea ceremony, uh, karate, or massage, you could have a six-month visa and they would allow you to work part-time. So so you studied massage in Japan? Yes. Oh, I thought you came back to England and studied. Well, I did after that. I've studied everywhere. I've studied Ah. massage everywhere. Okay, well, now I want this story. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to study something because I was making really good money at age 19. I did not want to leave. And I thought, well, I don't want to study flower arranging. Don't really want to study tea ceremony. And I thought, massage, I've always enjoyed that. I used to enjoy massaging dad as a teenager when he had backache. So I thought, yeah, let me study that. And I went to school to study it and it kept me there and I never left. They couldn't get rid of me. So when you finished, when you finished studying massage in Japan, then you actually worked as a massage therapist in Japan as well? No, I didn't because um, my husband entered the story. So I was in Japan for seven or eight years and I left with an American GI from the base. So there's, there's a whole military theme to my book, but um, I stayed there and I, I studied until I graduated. And then my husband got assigned to Germany. So we had to move to Germany. So I never actually did work in Japan. I just studied there. And then you went to Germany with military husband. Yes. So, I mean, I'm sure you have 25,000 stories to tell in between. How did you end up a licensed massage therapist living in Miami. Oh my goodness, you you fast forwarded about 20 years. Yes, <laughs> there's there's so many stories in between that we're going to get to, but how does that happen? We retired from military life. My husband retired after 28 years, three years ago. Um, but before that, I, I we, had, we lived in New Jersey, actually. So after Germany, we went to New Jersey. So in New Jersey, I got my license. And then when my husband retired, we wanted to move to Miami, to Miami Beach. That was our retirement dream. And so I just transferred my license from New Jersey to Florida. And that's, and it was pretty easy. And in between all of that time, you know, according to your email, you have worked everywhere. Tell me mm-hmm. all the countries that you have lived slash worked in. Um, okay. So met my husband in Japan. We transferred, got stationed to Germany. And then Germany, we went to New Jersey. After eight years in Germany, we went to New Jersey. We had nine years in New Jersey where I worked. I worked in a a casino doing poker massage. Poker? What (laughs) is poker massage? (laughs) (laughs) You massage the the guys who are playing poker who are sitting at the table for 
10 hours straight trying to win this million dollar prize and they're hunched over and their backs are killing them. And so massage therapists from the spa go around with their little bottle of oil and um, do massage, do 15 minute, 30 minute increments. So are you like in Atlantic City doing this? Is that what? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me get back to it. So that was New Jersey. After New Jersey, we had to move to Spain. Uh, We had four years in Spain. After Spain, we moved to Guam, the tiny island in the Pacific, just above Australia. Mm -hmm. So we were there for a year. And after that, that, we had to come back to the States, to New Mexico, and then we retired to Miami. How's how's Miami living up to the expectation? Oh, it's, it's paradise. I live in paradise. I just love it so much. It's sunshine. Most of the time, always blue skies. The beach is three blocks from my house. I cycle to work on my bicycle along the beach. I only work part-time. The food is fantastic. We have some of the best restaurants in the world. And then you're bumping into celebs all the time and dodging Ferraris and McLarens. It's ridiculous. Is this your dream? To Miami's to not Miami's not my dream. I enjoy Miami. I enjoy going. I enjoy being in Miami. I don't. I don't. I don't it's a little too much for me. Uh, you spend just, too I'm, much. You spend I'm, too much money in Miami. Yeah, that's the I'm, problem. I'm a, I'm, oh yeah. I'm. I'm yeah. a little bit more. I'm a little bit more New Smyrna Beach. I'm a little bit yeah. more sleepy, <laughs> sleepy beach town. Um, but yeah, I dig Miami. Hurricanes, though, that's the... Because I, I always ask man, is this like, if we were to go somewhere, like, where do you want to go? Because like the earth moving in California, not my not my, not my, my game. Uh, hurricanes, probably not my thing either. So like, I, I don't know, man. All the elements really make, <laughs> make me stay where I am. I'm such a fucking well, little whiny guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Well, we've been here three years and um, we have hurricanes warnings mm. and everyone rushes out they buy bottled water uh, they buy their batteries their flashlights yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we all sit there and we watch the news and they say the what do they call it the the cone of impact or something yeah, yeah. just narrowly has always escaped miami and has hit somewhere like tampa or right. west palm beach and we've been okay we've had a lot of rain terrible terrible rain and winds so you can't really go out walking the dog um but we haven't actually experienced a hurricane, thank God. But the season is from June until November. That's a pretty long hurricane season. Yeah, it is. So you're on tenterhooks the whole time thinking, am I going to have to jump in my car and drive to North Carolina or something? Mm-hmm. Tell me about this book. I wonder how you go about writing a book. Because people that write books fascinate the hell out of me. Because I wouldn't even know. One, I, I don't think I'm capable. I, I don't, yes, you I, are. I've, I, okay. Me, me, I don't have a desire. But okay. it, it fascinates the crap out of me that someone can sit down and as long as it takes to get these ideas and thoughts out in such a really cool way. I don't understand how it happens. I don't know the process. And I'm really curious as to what the process is like and then the motivation behind even doing it. Well, I guess the motivation is I had a story to tell. Um, I think my story is is unique. And I love, with a passion, massage therapy. And I wanted to teach the world about it. Um, and so I thought, right, let me just let me just write one of my funniest stories. So I started with one story and then I just wrote it. And this was, I started writing it when I was living in Guam because I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, I had six months off actually, because there just weren't any jobs on the base. I had to wait for the massage therapist at the fitness center to, to quit. And uh, anyway, so I sat there and I just wrote one of the stories. And then I was having coffee with my girlfriends the next day. And I said, okay, I'm going to read you something. Tell me what you think. So I read them a chapter 
and they were rolling about laughing. Oh my God, this is so funny. I went, oh, okay. So the next week I wrote another little bit and I read it to them and they said, keep going, keep going. So, so then I thought, well, let me tell the story about when this happened and when that happened. And I did. And then um, bit by bit, it became a book. And I thought, let me write my final chapter. And then I started going to writer's conferences. This is this is what really pumped me. I went to this writer's conference in San Diego. They have it every year. And uh, there's all these writers and wannabe authors that go. And we've all got different subjects. And no one, no one had my massage subject. But some write romance, some write sci-fi. And I went and I went to all the lectures and you go to these round tables at night, which are from nine o'clock in the evening till sometimes one in the morning. And you sit around big tables and you read maybe your first chapter or a chapter that you're having a problem with that it's not quite there yet, kind of sucks. And so you read it and you say, well, how can you help me with this chapter? I really, I don't know why it's not working, but it isn't working. And so you have people giving their input and it is so valuable. So a chapter that you just didn't like, you have all these fresh ideas and you inject them into your rewrite. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And actually my chapter three is, um, it's called traditional Japanese shiatsu made in China. <laughs> so I wanted to write about shiatsu. I wanted to describe it, but you know, you're talking about the meridians and the pressure points, and it can be a bit dry to someone who doesn't love anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. So I read that first chapter and people were saying, mm, okay, yeah, it's kind of interesting, but you really need to add something. You need to add, I mean, was there a guy in there? And I said, well, actually, yeah, there was. So they said, well, why don't you teach us about the meridians and all that kind of stuff? But on a guy's on a guy's body on your on your partner in the class. So there was this really cute Swiss guy who I called Swiss Beefcake in the <laughs> in chapter three, and he and I were studying together in Japan. He was my partner, and I was getting all hot and bothered. Um, but I I teach the chapter through him and my little cute little fling. Oh, that's fun! I can't wait to read this now. What was the first story that you that you were laying out to your friends that they're like, "Yeah, keep going. This is so funny. Keep going." Do you remember what that was? I, I think it's going to have to be the gross chapter, isn't it? My my chapter seven, chapter seven is called. Can I tell um, you? Can I tell you what it's called? Because I'm looking at it. Go right on. Now. Go go, Amanda. Mark her chapter seven is called "Tales of a Few Obnoxious Male Clients, aka the Penis Monologues." <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the names of your chapters, Mandy. I'm dying reading these. (laughs) You know, I I love the names of my chapters too. They're they're silly, they're quirky, and people don't think it's a boring massage book. So um, yeah, so I read them that chapter and uh, it's obviously about the lows of being a massage therapist and the ridiculous antics that some guys get up to. Just, Just what they think they can get away with, which is just ludicrous. And I had to write about it because it's obnoxious. And then um, you've heard of the vagina monologues in New York mm-hmm. yep. on Broadway. So they had this play called the vagina monologues and uh, it was highly acclaimed. Everyone loved it. And I just thought, okay, the penis monologues, not the vagina monologues. I love it. It's it's not, I mean, yes, there are some gross, shocking things in there, but um, I, I actually added a disclaimer. You know what? I'm going to. I'm actually going to read it because I think I felt that I needed to add this disclaimer. And I put, um, 
For this massage therapist to pretend that the following subject is not an issue would be inauthentic, and I never set out to write an inauthentic book. It is an issue, and it needs to be addressed. Sadly, and through no fault or solicitation of my own, obnoxious clients tend to make a beeline for the spa with their warped understanding of the therapeutic nature of massage very much intact. Here are some of their stories. I like that. Yeah. And then I just go into, um, I think I've got four stories. See, this is how I know I'm, I, I can't be a writer. I would have named that chapter The Dicktales. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody would read it, Mark. Nobody. Somebody would read it. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> well, actually, Mandy, we have a, a segment on our podcast. I don't know if you've heard it. We do a segment called The Unprofessional Hour. And the Unprofessional I was listening to it yes. yesterday. The Unprofessional Hour was born because... Uh, one day, myself, Mark, and another therapist named Demi, uh, we were sitting here chatting and just off mic, just talking about random things that happen at work. And Demi started telling some of these stories, you know, about these obnoxious male clients and whatever. And Mark said, why aren't we recording this? And the unprofessional hour was born. And a lot of the therapists who come in and we ask them, what is the most outrageous story you have? A lot of them, it is surrounding this very similar theme. These guys who the come details? in. <laughs> you can say it. No, it's the penis monologues. Gotcha. The guys who come in expecting something other than, as you said, a therapeutic experience. And, you know, unfortunately, in a profession that is 80% female, it's us who are who are dealing with these obnoxious penis monologues. <laughs> yeah. And. And I I wanted to write it because, as I said, to not write about it would be inauthentic. But I thought, you know, maybe I'm going to get a load of crap from massage therapists who say, you're degrading my industry. And I was really reluctant to put it in there. And I thought, nope, I'm going to do it. And actually, I've had really good feedback from my peers. Um, that was one of the reasons why I was so scared about putting myself out there, putting the book out there, because I thought my peers would say, you know, who do you think you are to write a memoir? Um, I, I don't know why I was so scared, but I was. But ever, anyway, since it's been out and I've had so many massage therapists read it and message me privately on you know, Facebook or Instagram or something. And I was actually driven to tears last week a couple of times because therapists just said, oh, my God, thank you for doing this. Um, there's nothing like this ever been written. You're totally telling our story. We can relate and you're making it legit you're explaining to people, but in a funny way, how great massage is and how we deserve our place in the medical realm and how it's not just, you know, a bit of lavender oil and a nice back massage for your birthday. Yep. And you know what, Mandy, the reason people appreciate it so much is exactly that. It's relatable. All of us deal with this stuff. And it was similar to when we started doing the podcast and having these real conversations with other therapists. We get private messages all the time of students, actually, who say, thank you. This is the stuff that you're not taught about. And it's nice to hear from therapists who have experience and who are working in the real world and getting an idea of what to actually expect. And it is unfortunate that some of these things happen, but it's also reality. And so I can't imagine that most people would have been upset with you for writing it because you're you're just being authentic, as you said, and giving this is the real truth of this profession sometimes, even if this part of it sucks. Right, exactly. And um, I really think that everyone thinking they might want to become a massage therapist or pretty much everybody in school, I think they should read this book, not just because I wrote it, but but really it has <laughs> it has everything, all the the pitfalls, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. 
and it's it's funny and it's sad as well and you get to experience massage in all different countries in the world. I want to ask you about two chapters. I mean, I, I want to talk to you about all of them, but two things stuck out to me. Um, chapter five, job description, therapist, shrink, yenta. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've been massage therapist for a long time. You're on the table and your clients really open up to you. So you are their doctor, their shrink. I mean, they tell you everything, everything, stuff that you really didn't want to know. Yep. And they feel very comfortable, almost vulnerable, and they trust you, especially if they've been your client for a long time. And so, so they spill. And so I felt like I was their shrink sometimes. And then you also feel like their doctor because they tell you about some ailments and personal things that they wouldn't tell their doctor because they don't maybe trust them or have a good rapport with them but they do with you and um and yeah they ask you ask you all kinds of things about, about their fibromyalgia and i don't even know what else uh, piriformis syndrome all these different ailments and you say look i'm not a doctor you know if you're having pain you really need to go and see a doctor no i come here every week i see you my pain goes away and that's that and uh, you know you have to recite that part in the ethics book. I'm not a doctor. This is not within my scope of practice. But then you say, you know what? They feel better. They don't like going to doctors. They are being helped and they trust you. And that's really important to have that wonderful trust between client and therapist. It is, you know, we have a, Mark described it once on one of our episodes. We work at the strangest profession. People pay us. So they, they come into our room they take off all their clothes, they lay on a table, and they let us touch them for one hour, 90 minutes, whatever. It's a, it's a strange kind of thing that very weird. You, have to, you have to have a very high level of trust for your therapist. And if you've got that level of trust where you are totally, you can be totally relaxed, laying in that room, completely naked, it's not surprising to me that people are willing to be more vulnerable and open up and tell you everything. But yeah, I mean, I've had clients tell me things that I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. And I don't know if I want to know anymore. Like, please stop yeah. talking. <laughs> yeah, please, please be quiet. Yeah. Well, that, in that case, you say, now take a nice deep breath in. Yeah. <laughs> and out. Now you can relax. And hopefully they get the hint. Most people probably don't. <laughs> no, they don't. I once made, this was my own fault. I set this up. I made a stupid, stupid mistake. When I was in massage school, we always learned if you see something on somebody's skin, you know, maybe a mole that looks a little bit questionable or there's some sort of scratch or something, you know, you might want to let them know if it's on a part of their body they ha they don't see. So for example, I've had clients who have like a scratch on their back and I'll let them know that way. They also know that I didn't do it, you know, like, Oh, I, you know, I see that yeah. you've got a cut here, whatever. I'm just going to avoid that area. So I made the stupid mistake. One time I had a client, he had what looked to be a very large bruise on the back of his neck. So I said to him, Oh, it looks like you have a bruise here. Um, I guess you got injured or, you know, I'll just avoid that area. No, he goes on to tell me how it's not a bruise. It's a hickey from his wife. And then he went on to tell me the oh whole story of how that hickey got there. I'm like, I don't want to know. Stop talking. Stop talking. He told me. Yeah. Know. You want exactly. to know the story? Okay. Well, they were going because through. A hickey is strange if you're not in high school to me. It's well, <laughs> yeah. They were going through fertility treatments. So they were unable to have sex. 
And I guess they were getting incredibly frustrated and she was like trying to attack him and he was saying, no, we can't. The doctor said no. And she ended up giving him a hickey on the back of his neck. Mm. And then I thought it was a bruise and brought it up and really wished I hadn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the the yenta part of of the end of that chapter is... um, fixing fixing my clients up Mm. so you know not really ethical but um when needs must so the that chapter actually is a really really lovely story about two of my clients doug and bettina and i'm still in touch with them some 20 years later and he was this really lovely single pilot in the air force very good looking and he used to come to see me every couple of weeks and she would come every week she was a teacher she was cute blonde this was in Germany, by the way. And so um, she was, he was moaning and he said, oh, you know, I really need to find someone because I asked him if he was married. No, no. Well, what do you do at weekends here in Germany? Oh, I go skiing. So just having, you know, polite conversation. And then he said, but I, I really think it's time to meet someone. And I said, oh, yeah. So, you know, what's your type? So he reeled off a few things. I'm like, okay, that was it. Thought nothing of it. Finished his massage. He walks down the stairs out to his car and he must have crossed paths with Bettina. She comes in and she was telling me about this awful blind date that one of her teacher friends had set her up on. And she was really annoyed saying, you know, what does he think I am? He's setting me up with this idiot. So I said to her, well, you know, if he wasn't right, who are you looking for? I want someone outdoorsy. I want someone who can go out and have a good time and interesting and likes to travel. And I said, oh, I got to have someone for you. And she said, don't be silly. I said, no, really? No, no. I have someone for you. So I said, you've got to meet this guy. Let me call him later and see if you know I can set you two up. So I did. And they, long story short, but they ended up getting married and um, I flew over to see them. I went to their wedding and they had two little kids, a boy and a girl, and that is my greatest accolade so far. That is so cool. I once I once tried to set people up and it didn't go so well. So really? good for you. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. clients you tried to set up? Um, a client and a friend. It happened more accidentally than than what Mandy's describing, but um there was a client I had that I saw I probably every two weeks he was in. And he was uh training to be a firefighter and uh, there was one day he was in and I, one of uh, one of the other staff that worked there made a joke like, oh, your hot firefighter clients coming in. I was like, no, no, I don't look at him like that. You know, he's just he's a client. But, you know, women and firefighters. Right. So he comes in and um, I like told him about the joke. I was like, oh, I think so and so at the front like thinks you're cute, like just totally joking. And. During his massage, one of my friends had texted me. It was her birthday and she was, I guess, trying on outfits because we were going to go out later. So we finished the massage and I've got my phone in my hand and I was like, oh, it's my friend's birthday. And he happened to see the photo of her in the dress. And he's like, she's cute, like really cute. And I was like, oh, you think? I said, Well, she's single and today's her birthday. And so I sent her a text just joking. I said, one of my clients thinks you're cute. I'm going to give him your number. She goes, go for it. So I ended up setting up my firefighter client with my friend. Unfortunately, it didn't work out very well. And within two weeks, they couldn't stand each other. But why? Why? Why didn't it work out? Um, he was. Who was not into who? He was overly. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. But I your think actions he, are. He was. Strange. He was very. Ex- <laughs> he was very excited. Like he. He was like texting her a lot and like wanted to hang out and whatever. She was 
a student at the time in university and she was like, okay, he's just a little too much. Like, so it didn't work out. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, these two are married 20 something years later and um, I speak to them all the time. And actually there's a photograph in my book of them with, with their story at the end of the chapter. Do they, do they praise you for that matchmaking skill that you have there? Yes. Yes. And, and I said to them, you should have named your your first daughter Mandy mm-hmm. after me. <laughs> I, I I can't believe they didn't, but you know that's fine. I can't believe it either. Um, actually, my my name is Amanda, as you know, and when my mom named me, she doesn't like short formed names. And of course, everyone wanted to call me Mandy. And she was like, no, no, it's Amanda. It's Amanda. You know, the one and only person in my life who calls me Mandy is my father. Oh, wow. See, the one and only person who called me Amanda was my father. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. My dad was the only one that would call me Mandy and it drove my mother crazy. She said, no, it's Amanda. He still to this day will call me Mandy. Oh, there's another chapter I wanted to ask you about, Mandy, because this is funny. Um, where is it? I think it was Will Work for Meatballs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Will Work for Meatballs um, it talks about our industry and how much we make, um, what the potential is. And um, at the beginning of every chapter, I put some quotes. And um, actually, huh, I'm gonna. it's just to kind of legitimize our business so people don't think it's a not a real business. And, uh, oh, you know, I can't find it. Anyway, it's the statistics about how, how massage is growing into a multi-billion dollar industry and the growth pattern is set to, to be, I don't know, 30 or 40% more in the next few years. Anyway, so I put that at the beginning of the chapters. And um, working for Meatballs is how, how much I made um, – so sometimes you're making like nothing, you're making terrible money. And when I say nothing, I really mean nothing because when I was in Germany, we would have terrible snow in the winter. And one by one, my clients would call and they would cancel. And then there was snow at my doorstep, couldn't even open the door. And for a whole week, I was in this tiny village right outside of the base, Ramstein Air Force Base, actually. And people couldn't get into the village and we couldn't get out. So for an entire week, I made nothing, like a zero salary, nothing you can do. But then on the opposite end of that spectrum is when you make fantastic money, especially at Christmas. So one Christmas, I was selling um, bean bags that you put in the microwave, scented with lavender, um, creams for the face, oils, and also pashminas. I don't know if you remember when pashmina shawls were in. Yep. Gorgeous cashmere and silk. And um, my friend's mum worked in India. And so she would send me boxes and boxes at cost price. And I would sell it for much less than what people were paying in America. And they used to fly off my shelves. So one Christmas, I made, well, on one day, $2,000 in a day. 2000 So. I thought that was really, really amazing. And then another time I made almost $1,000 a day. And that was because I went to this Italian restaurant and I was doing, um, you know, it wasn't chair massage. It was uh, an employee appreciation massage for a whole day from morning till night. I was massaging the chefs, the waiters and waitresses, the custodians, the managers, everybody. And I was working my butt off and I hadn't eaten all day. And at the end of the day, he paid me something like $700. And then he tipped me $200. And then he gave me a couple of hundred dollars in gift certificates for to come and eat. So after the end of the the day, I went back, 
got my friends and my husband, and then we went back to the restaurant and we ate and we drank and we parted. We had the most wonderful night and we really ran up a bill because it was Christmas and, you know. So at the end of the night, the manager comes up and he said, um, I've comped your whole meal. And I said, no, no, you know, we're going to use our gift certificates. Nope. He comped the whole thing. Wow. So I got paid in meatballs. <laughs> Very different than what I thought it what was going to be. <laughs> well, will work be? for meatballs. I thought, you know, I was thinking like Wedding Singer, you know, when he would <laughs> Have you seen that movie, Mandy, The Wedding Singer uh, yes. with Adam Sandler? I don't yeah. know if you remember the scene. He was he was doing music lessons for this sweet little old lady and she didn't have <gasps> yes. any money. And she'd pay him in meatballs. Yes. And she <laughs> two meatballs in his hands. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, there was there were no squishy meatballs in my hands, but this particular restaurant in Philadelphia was uh, famous for their meatballs and they were huge. And so we had quite a few at our table and you know, I, I worked for meatballs. But basically that whole chapter is about um, how much we make and what we don't make and the potential of the industry. That's the thing is it's so all over the map. And so through doing the podcast, we've talked to so many different therapists. And the beautiful thing about being a massage therapist, and I've said it over and over and over again, like a broken record, is you really do have so much control over so many aspects. And one of the things that you have a lot of control over is the finances. You know, if you if you really want to make a lot of money in this career, you absolutely can. You just have to know where to go and who to network with and, you know, knowing how to how to price yourself properly. Um, and if you're not if you don't care as much about the money, you mm -hmm. know, if time and flexibility is what you want, well, okay, fine. You can figure oh, out how it, many yeah. treatments you have to do in a week to still pay for your life, but also have the time and the flexibility. You know, I have two young children, so I'm not doing 30 treatments a week anymore because mm -hmm. that's not realistic for me, right? So it's, you know, I might do 10 treatments a week, which is just the sweet spot for me to, you know, make the money I want to make from this aspect of my career, but still have time for the other things like the teaching and the podcasts and to be with my kids. So, yeah. And I, I think it's more, it's you're working smarter, not harder. And as you mm -hmm. get older and, and your hands and your joints start to ache a bit, which they do inevitably being a massage therapist for that many decades, but you have to learn to work smarter. So you work in better places that pay more, you up your out call rate, you know, so you're not, you're not doing massage for 50 bucks anymore. You're, you learn what you're worth over the years. And now I work a lot smarter. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just work two days a week now and, um, and I do privates. That's fantastic. And I charge, I think, what I'm worth. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And, and actually now, so being a veteran massage therapist, let's say, um, when people say, do you do discounts? I'm like, nope. I have 25 years experience. Um, if you want someone, if you want to have a massage for 50 bucks, you really can go to, you know, the McDonald's chain, chain places, mm -hmm. chain massage mm -hmm. places, which I'm sure you've heard of in America mm -hmm. and you can get it for 50, 60 bucks, but I'm not your girl. Like I know my stuff. I was a teacher. I'm an author. I know my stuff and, um, no, you, you get what you pay for. If you want a hamburger, you pay for a hamburger. If you want a Corbet steak, then you'll pay for me. And people do. <laughs> in the end, because I'm not budging, not anymore. Good for you. Absolutely. The marketplace will always tell you when you're doing something that they just don't accept. Yeah. Yep. That's all there is to it. You were going to ask Mandy a question. I want to know about the sad parts of the book, though, because mm. there are some sad parts. Uh, yeah, there are. There's a couple of really sad um, chapters. And 
it's a funny book and mostly people laugh. I mean, it's literally pee your pants laughing sometimes. But um, the sad chapters are, um, well, for example, my my dad died um, a few years ago and I massaged. I, he loved reflexology and I used to always give him reflexology. And uh, the day that he died, I, he, I said, do you want a foot massage? And he said, yes, please. So well, he didn't even say yes, please, because he couldn't even speak, but he smiled. And so I was massaging his feet. And that was kind of my last... <sighs> my last goodbye anyway wow I can't believe I get so upset about it all these years later but yeah that was my last goodbye to him and um it was a real honor to be able to talk to him through my hands when he couldn't speak anymore wow I just saw that in the chapters the last chapter was uh was it reflexology and daddy's feet daddy's feet yeah and before when I started um, learning reflexology years before I used to go back to England and he would always say, Oh, massage my feet. Will you? So I would, and I'd massage his back as well. And he absolutely loved it. And he really believed in me. He believed in the industry. Um, he, and then I gave him the, the reflexology map. And so he would massage his girlfriend's feet and she would massage his and he would say, Oh, what's that? And I would say, Oh, it's gallbladder. And he'd say, Oh yeah, that's about right. And he was really into it. He took so much interest in my career. And that was how we communicated on his last day. So it's, it's a really beautiful chapter. And it that was how many years ago? 2013. But, you know, it's my dad and it still upsets me. Mm-hmm. Sad, but also what a, what a like, beautiful story like you said the last the last day of his life you got to be a huge part of it and give him a foot massage which obviously he absolutely loved so yeah i i have like goosebumps everywhere right now oh <laughs> um and then there's there's another chapter on, and it's called um humbled massaging people with cancer in alaska mm-hmm. so i i specialized in oncology massage for a while, not long actually, because some of my clients, one of my particular clients, she got breast cancer and she wanted to come in for a massage. And I said, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what the protocols are. I'm not certified in it. So I got myself certified and I went up to Alaska to get myself certified. And um, we were doing massage clinic up there. And the sad chapter is because I was massaging these these women who allowed us to see their breasts um, with some of their breasts lopped off from mastectomies. Um, they were scarred and some of them had got these beautiful new implants, but some of them didn't want implants and they just had a flat chest, which was really, really scarred. And so some of the work that we did was to massage the scars and to get them to massage the scars. So if we gave them massage oil to take home with them it enabled them or kind of forced them really to massage their own breasts and to get back into touching their body and seeing their body as a lovely thing, not a diseased thing. Um, so that was just a really lovely time I had in Alaska. And it was very humbling, very humbling indeed. And sometimes with even the massage, you would just hold their head. You wouldn't really be doing anything. Like it's not Swedish. It's not deep tissue. You're, you're holding the head. It's almost. Um, like cranial sacral energy massage, very light, but it's more of a palliative care 
And it's very comforting, very calming for the person going through cancer. And um, yeah, and, and I lost a couple of clients to cancer. That was really sad because you can't save everybody. I mean, I did some great things with it and I really helped some people, but some of them, you know, they're going to die and it's just a matter of time and it's, it's just heart wrenching. Mm. And I didn't even know if I was actually equipped to do that. It turned out that I was. Does writing about this help you heal or does writing about this make it more difficult? Writing is the best. Really, you've got to get into this, Mark. It's so cathartic. It really is. So something that's maybe bothering you if you're angry about something or sad about something or you need to process it, you just sit down and write. Write all your feelings. It doesn't matter if the writing's crap. You just you go back and you edit and edit and edit. And it's just to literally get it off your chest, out your system and onto paper. And it's like you've you've halved the problem. So yes, very, very cathartic. I I advise to write. Well, you have so many stories as well, Mandy. Like, you know, we were just, you were just talking about massaging um, cancer patients in Alaska, but I know from your email and from one of your other chapters that you also spent time massaging rock stars. Like, where does that fit into your career? (laughs) Um, Well, now, actually, for sure. Um, But also in Spain. So after... Uh, after New Jersey. Yes. After New Jersey, my husband got stationed in Spain and I had to give up my oncology massage practice and it was still relatively new, but I couldn't take it with me. And I unfortunately had to, had to quit. I was so mad with my husband, but it wasn't his fault. It's the military, it's the air force. They send you, you don't really have much of a choice. Hmm. So I went to Spain and, uh, my new job or that chapter is called um, Masseuse to the Troops in Spain. And so I was massaging the troops. So going from massaging people that you know might be on their deathbed with cancer and are really going through a hard time to massaging these lean, mean fighting machines on the base. Um, we had Army, Air Force, um, Navy, Marines, and they all wanted massage and there were hardly any massage therapists on base. In fact, I had a monopoly for quite a while, which was fantastic. So yeah, I was massaging them. And because it's such a small base, we had a lot of celebrities come and do, do shows. So they would do um, shows at Christmas, shows on July 4th. And because I was the only game in town, massage therapy wise, not only, but um when the managers would come in, they would seek me out and I got to massage the rock stars. Super cool. Do you do you mention names in your book or is that all hush-hush for confidentiality? Listen, I like to talk. I like to have a good <laughs> gossip and I would love to divulge the names, but I was told um, they have a right to their their privacy. Yeah. And 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 I and they have lawyers who, you know, make more in one day than I do in a lifetime. So I had to keep it, I took had to to take the names out. I thought so. But but I but I I can be bribed over a bottle of wine or a bottle of gin, I will tell you. You're my type of girl, Mandy. <laughs> I was watching this 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 show. I don't know what it was an internet show. Sammy Hager. And he yeah. was he was he was talking to Adam Levine from Maroon 5. And Adam Levine is taking Sammy Hager out in his crazy Ferrari and they're just ripping around town and they're talking. And Adam Levine said something about celebrity being a celebrity i've never heard it described that way do you remember this because i, I, I think do I play remember this for you. yeah i've never heard it described that way 
and it just made so much sense to me in that moment. I'm like, I truly, truly understand celebrity now. I get it. I get it. I get it. Just listen to Adam Levine talk about it. And basically what he was saying is generally society has given me a green light to do whatever the hell I want. Basically, I live how I want to live. I make the music I want to make and and they've accepted me. They've they they celebrate me. Therefore, I don't ever see myself ever changing being a different person like in other words i've been given a license to just be however the hell i want to be and i'm curious what it's like massaging certain musicians you don't have to give me names but were you ever like you're exactly who i thought you were going to be you're a dick you are not what i thought you were going to be at all you were like the nicest person i've ever met in my life because i played a lot of music and i've had a lot of opportunities to meet a lot of musicians and i've known a bunch of people that know a lot of musicians and so i've been asked before like do you want to come to so and so's cottage and and hang out and meet them and i'm like no i don't want to do that at all actually i'd rather just watch the guy play music with his bandmates on stage and that's that's entertaining I I don't want to know you on a personal level. So I'm curious how much of it was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that or wow, that's exactly what I expected. Well, in answer to your questions, it's yes, yes, yes. And yes. So <laughs> have they, have they behaved like a dick? Yes. Um, have I thought they were just so wonderful and down to earth? Yes. Uh, were they what I thought they were going to be? Yes. Um, so massaging celebrity, first of all, you think, you think as a massage therapist, oh my God, I'd love to massage this celeb or that celeb. And then when you do, okay, the first couple of times in Spain, I was, I was starstruck and I was like, oh my God, this is just so amazing. But, um, in Spain, this rock star, I massaged him at something like one o'clock in the morning because that's when the concert finished that's when they're free. Yeah. And I said, I said, you know, I, I can come to your hotel. I literally live across the street. And he said, okay, but I, I had been imbibing. Like I'd had a couple of cocktails at the concert mm -hmm. and I thought, Oh, it's not going to call me. And he called like, Oh my God. So anyway, I sobered up really quick English cup of tea and I went over and massaged him. He was so humble. Um, so, down to earth, so lovely, made me feel very comfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was crapping myself the first 10 minutes and then I just took a few deep breaths and I said, you know what? This guy is tired. He's done a really great job for us. I want to massage him, want to make him feel like a million dollars. So I massaged him and it was only supposed to be for an hour. Mm -hmm. And I got really teary because, you know, I have a few of his albums in my house. And I thought, Oh my God, okay, the reality hit me. I am massaging <laughs> this rock star. Yeah. Anyway, then I, then I thought, you know, get a grip. So I got a grip. And after about an hour and a half, I thought, I really don't want to stop massaging. And I said to him, um, we're a little bit over. Actually it was two hours. <laughs> I said, oh to him, we're a little bit, yeah, I said, we're a li little bit over. Um, but I just don't want to stop massaging you. And he said, well then don't. I said, really? He goes, yeah, carry on. So I'm like, okay, in for a penny, in for a pound. So I start massaging his head. I massaged his ears and he just loved it. And he looked up at me. You know how you said at the beginning of the podcast, Mark, that someone looked up at you and you were exhausted. Well, this guy's looking up at me, massaging his ears and just this big smile was across his face. And I just thought that it was such a bonding moment. It was really, really lovely. So that's actually, that's actually in the book, but the ones that aren't in the book is, um, are from Miami. So I massage, I massage celebs all the time right. down here. Yep. They, they come into the hotel all the time and you just have to treat them. 
you have to treat them like normal people. You can't get, um, you can't get, you can't act like a, a fan yep. because my boss says to me, don't get starstruck. I said, I'm not, I'm just saying, wow, look at them. You know? And she says, stop staring. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> staring. So I have to be really, um, I have to keep my cool. Did any celebrity that you ever treated made made you feel like the help? Um, no, not really. That's a really that's a that's a really good question. No, because you know we're massage therapists. We make our clients, whoever they are, feel like a million bucks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyone who turns around and treats you like the help, I mean, they're stupid because they you know they can't come back to you and expect you to be nice to them. But no, they. They're really grateful and they go, oh my God, that was fantastic. I feel really amazing. Thank you so much. So no, I haven't, I haven't experienced that, but I've had a couple of friends who've massaged celebs backstage, like huge celebs and um, they haven't even tipped or they've been rude. And you think, wait a minute, you know, I sing along to that song at Christmas. How can they be so awful? But um, some friends of mine have had some pretty bad experiences. Yeah. It's really trippy. Like when I see certain musicians or celebrities that I I think I'm kind of into their work and I get a glimpse of them just being a dick. It changes my whole perspective on, on how I, how I view their work. Like I remember I was watching, I was, I was really into the red hot chili peppers and I was watching them do an interview on much music, which was at the time it was like Canada's version of MTV. And there Mm -hmm. was there was an on-air personality at the time. His name was Rick the temp. And uh, now Rick the temp, Rick Campanelli, Campanelli, who is, who's, 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 I guess he's still on ET Canada or whatever the case is. Entertainment Tonight Canada. And the lead singer from red hot chili peppers was just being a fucking asshole to Rick the temp. And I'm like, Ooh, that hit me in the gut. I'm like, and I, I ever since then, I'm like, I can't get into your tunes anymore. It just changed my perspective on on you and the band, and and it turned me off of of your music, which is really strange for me being a musician because I listen to music for music. But that one really just kind of made me just go, ooh, I, yeah, I can't, I, can I don't want to support this. Yeah, I can see that. But anyway. but on on the other side of of that spectrum is um, our celebs who are just so lovely and. Olivia Newton-John was one of them and I haven't massaged her, but I have met her and um, a couple of times actually. And she's my idol. Mm. I love her from Greece and from all of her, uh, her charity work as well and healing work. And she's just so amazing. And she was, she was one of my um, inspirations to study oncology massage. Um, Yes, it was my client, but I met her, few right after I got back from Alaska I went to her concert and I got a backstage pass and I met her and I said to her you'll never guess what I just did and she said what I said I got trained in oncology massage and she said oh my god we do that in my spa in Australia I said I know your your spa is called Gaia she goes yeah so I said I read about that and I want to go there one day and we talked about oncology massage and she goes that's so fantastic and so um, I cried my eyes out after that first meeting with her but she is so lovely. She is as lovely as you could possibly imagine her to be. And then a few months later, she had this cookbook coming out and that was in New York. So I was living in New Jersey at the time. So I went to see her and between the times that I'd seen her, I had opened the oncology massage. I'd specialized in it and I decorated it. And it was this Tiffany blue. It was really beautiful. And I took photos to show her. I said, do you remember me? She goes, Oh my God. Yes, I do. So I showed her the photos and she, and I called, I renamed my business, um, grace and gratitude 
which was after one of her songs and a title of her album. It's a healing album because she had breast cancer herself and actually still does. So um, she's been she's been going through her cancer journey for years. So anyway, she looked at the pictures and she said, I'm so honored that you called your center after my my song. And she said, will you please keep in touch with me? I said, yes. So I gave her my card and uh, she wrote me a card a few months later, thanking me for, for doing that and saying how proud she was of me. And it was just the most wow part of my life to date. It was just wonderful. She's so lovely. That's cool. And I said, when am I going to massage you? And she said, oh, I don't know. You know, she lives in California. So I never have massaged her, but she's just great. That is really cool. I feel like this is a perfect time, Mandy, for people listening to this and hearing all of these amazing stories. You've obviously had an incredible career and just your life in general. You've been all over the world and you've met some really cool people and had some amazing experiences. So for people who want to get their hands on your book, we haven't even actually given the full title of the book. I think we should do that and letting people know where they can find it and find you. Well, the title of the book is If These Hands Could Talk, The Girl Who Touched the World. So it's available on Amazon and uh, I think barnesandnoble.com and a couple of small boutiques around Miami. And um, it's also available on Audible because I recorded the audio book myself. And uh, that's been really great, really, really fun to do that. So yeah, If These Hands Could Talk. I love it. I can't wait to read it now, Mandy. I mean, I was going to anyway. Like I said, I skimmed through a few things just so I knew what we were talking about today. But now that I've actually heard you talk a little bit more about the chapters, I'm so excited to read it. You're really passionate about this. I want to know what in the world would happen that would make you shift gears is there anything that could possibly happen that you would be like i'm shifting gears this is not going to be my jam anymore i'm moving on to something else um well i say that when i massage david beckham then i'm going to (laughs) retire yes and actually you may laugh but i met him a couple of months well last year actually um in the hotel where I work. And uh, I had a nice little chat with him and he was really lovely, very down to earth, very humble. And I didn't tell him that he was my retirement plan, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think the only thing that would, I mean, I love massage. I love, I love touching. It's my legacy. It's my passion, but I also love writing. So this book is doing really, really well. And I would like Oprah to read it and, um, and I would love it to be made into a movie. And I know that sounds I don't know how it sounds obnoxious maybe, but um, I have, I have a lot of friends and I was talking to my friend who's a, a singer. She's just getting out there now. And I said, Oh, come on. I bet, you know, someone that could make my book into a movie. Come on, think girl, think. And she said, I do actually. And I said, no, no, I was just kidding. And she goes, no, no, I really do. You know, I, I know this guy really well. She put us in touch and he messaged me a few days ago and he said, can you send me the audible version? And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Uh, yes. So he was flying in from Dubai and he actually flew in today. And he said he's going to be here for a couple of days, not just to see me. But um, he's listened to my book because I, I know he downloaded it. And um, he is an ex- he's what is he? an executive movie producer. So my friend said to me, look, he's the one that decides if 
stories should be made into movies. And she said, I know him really well. He's a straight shooter. He will meet you for coffee and tell you what he thinks. You know, he might, he might say, you know what, this could be a really lovely movie. It could be a Hallmark movie. Or he might say, you suck. What are you thinking? Go back to massaging. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's out there. I'm putting it out there. So if I could make a movie out of this book, it would be great. And I'm writing another book as well. Um, not about massage, about dieting. So I like to write funny books. I think everything is funny in life. And I just like to kind of make fun of everything, but make it entertaining. So if I could be a writer and make money, which I mean, who does that? I think it's the love of the, the love of the career. It's a, a labor of love. So we'll see if I actually make money from this book. If I make millions, that'd be great. But I don't think I'll ever really give up massage because I love it so much. Yeah, you can see that. Well, this is really fun, Mandy. And like I said, I'm so excited to read the book and I definitely will uh, touch base with you and follow up when I've read it cover to cover because it sounds like you've got a lot of really incredible stories. Before we wrap up today, because I know we've kept you here a long time. Oh, I love it. I want one last story. Like if, what do you want to end off on? Give me some sort of crazy or fascinating or that, whatever you want. One last story from your book before we go. Oh gosh. Um, well, I, I wanted to read a final word from the author, Okay, which is, which is in the back of my book. And, and I, I this is what I just wanted everyone to, I just wanted, wanted to finish with. So firstly, thank you to you, the person who's taken the time to read my story. I'm honored. Two of my passions in life that truly make me feel whole and give me purpose are writing and massaging. I recall the words of the late Toni Morrison, an African-American author who won the Nobel Prize for Literature. She said, if there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. So that's what I did. It was my intention to write my memoir in as authentic a way as possible, to be real and transparent and to dispel some of the ridiculous myths. And I wanted to write it with heart and humor. It is my hope that through these pages, you've learned much about the world of massage and that massage therapy is indeed worthy of its place in the medical field, as well as in the field of healing. It's my sincere belief that if everyone received regular massages, we as a society would be less stressed and anxious and have less pain. We would walk better and we would sleep better, and mental health would improve, and we would be a happier, healthier community. Massage has been, and still is, the joy of my life, the gift that has given me purpose. If these hands could talk, they would tell you that writing this book has brought me so much pleasure and has made me smile. I hope it's made you smile too. Oh, that was so nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have a confession to make. Go for it. I am a podcast virgin. (gasps) We're your first podcast? Yes. Well, now I feel special. <laughs> yeah, you are special. You are special. I'm so happy that we got to be the first people to interview you, Mandy. And this was so good. And I'm like I said, I'm so excited to read this. And I know that when people listen to this, they're going to be jumping to go get your book because this is everything we do all the time. And I love that you're putting a, a funny spin on it because I'm very much that way. Mm-hmm. I think there, Mark and I both, like there's humor in everything and you know, sometimes we might take it too far, but is it too far? Who's who's the judge? <laughs> exactly. 
I've heard you when you've gone too far. It's hysterical. And we, we need to all laugh. If we laugh more, be it, the world would be a better place. But Amanda, don't read the book. Um, listen to it on audio, the audio book. If, you, if you're the one that recorded it, I'll listen to you. you. have a very yeah, soothing I, I voice. I'll listen, I'll listen to you talk all day. No problem. I recorded it. Yeah. Can't wait. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mandy. And um, are there any, is there any contact information you want to give out? Like, do you have any yeah. social media Website, places social people platforms. can follow you? Um, I, I have a website. It's mandyurenia.com. And um, I do a bit of I do a bit of um, Instagram and face and Facebook. I do like, but it, I do that more. Yes. Anyway. Well, I can't wait to see the movie when it comes out. I'm just putting that out into the universe right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. Me too. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, guys. I've had so much fun. It's been really lovely. Yes, definitely. Thanks for hanging out. This has been good. Right on. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. Peace.